Hello, and welcome to this FRDH podcast. I'm Michael Goldfarb. Recently, I went to the opening session of the Center for Policy Studies Margaret Thatcher Conference on Security. It was more a reunion than a genuine forum for exchanging ideas. Most of those in attendance were her favorites or her acolytes or their children. One of those favorites was the former chief rabbi here in Britain, Jonathan Sachs. He was on a panel mulling through what the West should stand for at this moment of epochal change, brought about without a bullet being fired and no government overthrown. It's an era of change brought about at the ballot box, which in democracy should be a good thing, but somehow doesn't feel right. Neither Brexit nor the election of Donald Trump has flooded the true believers in Mrs. Thatcher and her soulmate Ronald Reagan with great joy. Anyway, there was no particular answer forthcoming to the question the panel was addressing. What should the West stand for? But Rabbi Sachs said something, and it needs correcting. It's something I've heard in other places, from less august religious authorities, and perhaps you've heard it too. What makes America a great nation is that its foundational document, the Declaration of Independence, invokes God. The rabbi was playing a little fast and loose with the text to make that point. Evangelical Christians and the politicians who pander to them in America do the same thing. And really, they shouldn't. Here is the Declaration's sole use of the word God. It comes in the first paragraph. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. Laws of nature and of nature's God. What is this idea of nature's God? Now, over the last 14 years, since I started rereading the Bible and keeping the King James Version on my nightstand, I have yet to come across the term in the book, nature's God. God is creator of all those things we associate with nature. That's there from the beginning. But you never see the word nature as a possessive modifier before the word God. What or who is nature's God? Where does the term come from? Well, Jefferson and his friends and editors of the Declaration would have answered that question in a heartbeat. The term comes from a book written a hundred years before their own document. Ethics. The author was Benedict Spinoza, who lived a century before the founders. In Ethics, Spinoza, who wrote in Latin, coined the phrase Deus sive natura, God or nature. I've been trying to understand Spinoza almost as long as I've been trying to figure out the Bible, but here's what I think he meant. Nature is all there is. You can call it God if you like, but it does not cause itself or create itself. It is not the creator God of the Bible, anthropomorphized and directing the fate of human beings, particularly the Israelites, his chosen people. Now, this was pretty revolutionary stuff for the late 17th century, but it didn't come out of nothing. In a way, Spinoza was the originator of Bible study for atheists. The philosopher is credited with initiating the modern methods of comparative philology and biblical study that give us our modern understanding of how the book was written and passed on. 
Spinoza came from a prosperous Jewish family in Amsterdam and was brought up and educated in the Jewish way. He knew Torah and Talmud, but he was bound, excommunicated, from the community in his early twenties. The specific reasons aren't entirely clear, but he had challenged religious authority in some way. Spinoza made an intensive study of the sources of both the Old and New Testament. He taught himself the languages in which the Bible has come down to us, and traced out in Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek its evolution, questioned what got lost in translation from one language to the next. Here's a small example. We all know the story of God speaking to Moses from the burning bush. Spinoza points out that in the original, the same word as burning is used when describing God as a jealous God. Now, everyone can understand the metaphor of burning with jealousy, but what if the burning bush is also a metaphor and not a miracle? Anyway, Spinoza reached the logical conclusion. The Bible is not the literal word of God, but a set of moral teachings based around a speculative history of a Middle Eastern nation, the Israelites, the Jews. Now, if the Bible was not divinely revealed, it raised many questions for him. Three above all. What is God, then, if not the bearded gent of the Bible? Why should priests and ministers saying they speak on God's behalf have special influence in politics and the running of the state? Finally, shouldn't we be free to explore an answer to the first question without being threatened with, say, burning at the stake by those who are close to the country's rulers? Spinoza wrote another book exploring these questions, the Tractatus Theologico-Politicus, or Theological-Political Treatise. The subtitle is several discussions showing that the Republic can grant freedom of philosophizing without harming its peace or piety, and cannot deny it without destroying its peace and piety. The treatise came out in 1670. It was the first book Spinoza published, and it would be the last book he published in his lifetime. He was called an atheist and the renegade Jew from hell. A lynching was not out of the question. On the wax seal he used to close up his letters was the word kota, or caution. Spinoza's philosophy is among the foundational works of the Enlightenment. Ethics and the treatise were certainly known to Thomas Jefferson. He owned the complete works of the philosopher. When Jefferson wrote of nature and nature's God, he was referring back directly to Spinoza's Deus Siva Natura. There are other facts that demonstrate how far Jefferson and the founders were from the supposed godliness, or, more accurately than Rabbi Sachs would care to put it, Christian godliness, claimed for them by contemporary American political Christians. You will not see the word Savior in any of the founding documents, nor will you see the word Redeemer, nor Heavenly Father, words closely associated with Christian worship. The word creator is used in the declaration, but without the word divine as a possessive modifier, in the way nature is used to modify God. Supreme judge of the world is mentioned in the final paragraph, but pretty clearly Jefferson wasn't speaking of God sitting in judgment of sinners on that eschatological day. The declaration is a long list of grievances justifying the 13 colonies separating from Britain. It's a declaration made before all the nations of the earth, and that supreme judge of the world is a metaphorical one, measuring up the colony's case before these countries. There's more. 
the American flag has no religious symbol, just stars and stripes. If the U.S. was a Christian nation, then surely a Christian symbol should be on the flag. Britain is a Christian nation. The Queen is the supreme governor of the Church of England. The British flag, or Union flag, is composed of two crosses, the cross of St. George, superimposed on the cross of St. Andrew, or Saltire. The Saltire is on the Confederate flag, but whether that is because so many who fought on that side were of Scottish or Scotch-Irish descent, or whether rebel soldiers wanted a religious symbol to go before them into battle, isn't clear. Finally, the one time religion is expressly mentioned in America's founding documents is in the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment to the Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. Now that doesn't sound like a law extracted from the Bible, Christian or Hebrew, it sounds very much like a practical application of the subtitle of the founder of Bible Study for Atheists, Benedict Spinoza's Theological Political Treatise. The American Constitution grants freedom of philosophizing about the nature of God in houses of worship, or the street, or in the press, because it is sure that it will not harm the Republic's peace or piety. And that's all for this edition of FRDH Podcast. If you know someone of the political Christian community, please share this with them. And also go to the website, www.goldfarbpod.com, where you can hear a much longer program I made on Spinoza. It's not all metaphysics. It's got some really excellent music in it. And you can make a donation to keep these podcasts coming. Thanks for listening.